Watermaster Studio presents Brushing Up, a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. Welcome to Brushing Up, the miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast, where I, Dan the Quartermaster, talk with industry professionals, community leaders and volunteers, as well as content creators about their experiences in the hobby. My guest on this episode of Brushing Up is Dan Attrell, the tournament organizer for ARC 40K, one of Australia's top Warhammer 40,000 tournaments. We had a good chat about the tournament itself and the legacy it has built over the last 24 years. Now, before I start the interview, just a quick caveat. Unfortunately, the connection between me here in the United Kingdom and Dan over in Melbourne, Australia, was a little bit patchy, so please bear with it as, uh, as you have a listen. Without further ado, let's get on with it. So joining me remotely, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, is Dan from ARC40K. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, mate. Hey, you no. <laughs> Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's over here in Australia. So, yes. And it's daytime over there, right? That's right. It's yeah. uh, the other side of the world. Um, now, before we have a chat, I do have the obligatory hobby questions that I'm required by hobby law to ask everybody that comes on the show. Uh, apparently, if I don't yep. ask them, the hobby police will come and steal all my uh, fine detail brushes. So, yes, don't want that happening. Um, so, first question: How did you get into the hobby? Uh, I guess it all goes back to when I was a teenager, or when I was in high school. Yeah, all my basically all the guys at school, my little friendship circle, they were all yeah. playing, and you know, you sort of. Sneaking white dwarves in class, having a look and having a read and seeing what yeah. it's all about. And then you go on the path of choosing an army. Um, mm-hmm. So I got I got Chaos Dwarfs because they were mm. just being released. <laughs> and they were the only army nobody had in the group. Right. So in the, in the mid-90s, um, there was no, no games workshops, no hobby store local area. So we had to go and buy things from this little... Um, bookstore that all they sold was um, like I was a second-hand bookstore and they sold yeah. a few of the fantasy novels um, yeah. and they had one little cabinet that had miniatures in it so mm. and that's where you, get, you you went to buy and you basically bought whatever they had that fitted with your army unless you wanted to travel into the city so or into, into Melbourne yeah. yeah yeah so then so just kind of that's pretty much where it started. Yeah. And that's when it spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> so um, <laughs> hobbies have always hobbies have always been kind of big in my family. Yeah. Um, my old man, a massive model railway um, geek. So I basically grew up with that. And then you sort of as soon as the soldiers came along, um, and you did start painting them out where he was doing his hobby. So um, and a couple of years after that, basically, GW Ringwood opened, which was my local, in my local shopping centre. Literally, like all your Christmases had come at once because you didn't have to forage to find the models you wanted. You, know, you, you could just walk into the shop and you could literally look at everything. So, 
Yeah. Day, yeah. <laughs> it was all, yeah, it was everything you could imagine. I mean, you, mind you, you go from a, a single rack of blister packs that had like a, 10 or 12 different models on it yeah. to a shop that had, had had like, what, 150, 200 odd blister packs in it plus box sets and yeah. So it was like heaven. So, yeah, I can imagine. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. A little trip down memory lane to yeah. the days of yore when, you know, you had to hunt for all those models. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't really have it that, that good in the, in the outer <laughs> suburbs. And tell the kids so, what, how it used to be back in the day. Oh, now in um, in Ringwood now, there's like three shops that all stock models. <laughs> yeah, you're so you're choice. choice now. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. do you see yourself more as, as a gamer or a painter when it comes to... <clears throat> Um, I think I, I buck a bit of the trend on that because I don't think I'm in either camp. So, um, I had a bit of a think about this coming into obviously your obligatory questions. So you can, you can see them coming. Um, and I thought to myself, well, which I've been thinking, which one am I? And I really love the gaming and event scene. Um, Mm. but at the same time, I really enjoy painting the models to get there as well. Um, but I don't sit down to paint models so much to um, just for the fun of painting, if that makes sense. Like I enjoy yeah, it course. with that yeah. end point of, of gaming, mm. but I don't enjoy gaming without the painted models either. So kind of sit in the middle where you kind of like both being offensive about it, of course. No, that's um, fair enough. Yeah. Well, Cause I wouldn't yeah. say I'm strong at either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair enough. I mean, you know, each their own and, and it's all about enjoyment. And, you know, if that's that's where you find that enjoyment, then that's all that matters. So I guess I'll, I'll fire both barrels of the shotgun on the uh, follow-up questions. Um, so for the gamer in you, what, what is your favourite game to play or is there a particular game system that's piqued your interest lately? Um, all-time favourite is definitely Warhammer 40,000. Um, yeah. Even though I started with Warhammer, I still have a soft, yeah. soft, still have a soft spot for it. But yeah. 40k is basically what I've played for most of my hobby journey. Um, more over the last couple of years, more recently, uh, particularly just before 2020, um, I started mm. playing Necromunda with some of the local guys. Nice. Um, and just before, a bit of um, bolt action. So a little bit of everything on the side as well. So trying new things. Um, but yeah, at the moment it's all Necromunda. So we started yeah. a little mini campaign and with some of the guys and we're getting, once these lockdowns all finish um, and, and things become normal again, uh, we're going to get stuck into our campaign again because we started it <clears throat> Excuse me, and then had a whole lot of, the COVID stuff happened, which it's been happening all over the place. Um, so we kind of couldn't continue it, mm. but we're all talking about it. And we're all painting our, our gangs and, you know, trash talking like you do. Yeah. So <laughs> when, when lockdown's over, I'm going to whoop you. Uh, but we're still waiting for that to happen. Still waiting for is, that to be normal where we can actually get together. Yeah. So, is, is there a particular gang you're working on? Yes. 
I'm working on an Ogren gang. Oh, nice. So, yes, uh, the Boneyard Boys. Oh. So they're themed around the scrapyard in the underhive. Nice. So trying to build them all like little workers. So, so yeah, and I even threw in a um, a little orc, a black orc in there. Okay. So just similar size, a brute sort of thing, just to give yeah. a bit of variety. Uh, trying to give that individual feel that Necromunda has for the, the models. Uh, I mean, I don't play it that often. Mm. So but when I do, it's it's basically what you what attracts you to it is that small scale where you can name your models a bit more easily and they've got a journey they're going on yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's what drew me to Necromunda as well. So it's a, it's a great game to play. Um, but the last question in our <laughs> obligatory hobby question is what advice would you give to <laughs> in getting involved in the hobby what advice i reckon try to work out how to phrase it but run your own race i guess is the best way to put it mm-hmm. um don't try and compete with everybody else and what everybody else is doing just yeah. do what you do okay it'll take you a while to you know to get your painting skills down um and understand some of that it'll take you some time to get your gaming down and learn all the rules and things like that and there's no hurry it's about mm. enjoying that not mm. trying to compete with, oh, my mate, he's always winning everything. I need to be doing what he's doing right now. Yeah. So, because that's where I reckon a lot of people lose their um, enjoyment in the hobby. Mm. So, take your time with it and just be yourself and enjoy it for where you're at. Yeah. Oh, it's good advice there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, let's, um, let's talk about um, Art 40K. Yep. Massive Warhammer 40,000 tournament um, coming into its 24th year. Is, is that correct? That is correct. This year is our 24th year. We've, we've, we've almost got there. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> almost the quarter century. Yeah, almost there. So, yeah. It's gonna be a, we're double stacking events to do that <laughs> at the moment. So, <laughs> we've almost got them double parked because we normally have it in, uh, it normally takes place in March. Yeah. Uh, 2020's event we managed mm. to get by pre-COVID and then this year's was was influenced by COVID so we've had to put off, put it off until the end of August so the weekend yeah. of August 28th and 29th so oh, well, I mean that's that's just the way things are isn't it can't be helped it is it doesn't bother us because at the end of the day we've had a good um, a good response to the event this year um, yep. I think it's a lot of it to do with the fact that there's no events running in Australia or in Melbourne anyway um, mm. due to the pandemic. So, but, yeah. you know, we don't want to talk about that all night. <laughs> well, let's go back to, to the start where uh, Arcanicon yep. got its, its founding. Absolutely. I'm curious to find out um, how it all started and, and how did you come to be involved as the tournament organiser? <clears throat> well, there's... There's a couple of stories there. Um, yeah. All right. To give you the background on the event as a whole, mm-hmm. um, in in Melbourne, there used to yeah. be a, a, a massive and it was a huge role-playing convention every January over what we call the Australia Day Long Weekend um, yep. called Arcanicon. Mm-hmm. Um, they had hundreds of people role-playing board games. And anyway, in before the night event, Mm. Um, the organisers of that 
convention decided that they wanted to run some models or toy soldiers. Um, and a guy by the name of Hugh McVicker, um, he they chose he chose forty k. Um, yeah. And as he puts it, he knows nothing about forty k. <laughs> so he's going to go and run this event, um, this war games event at a at a role playing convention. So and no this was when knowledge. second this was still in yeah no prior knowledge don't even know yeah. what it's about. Um, sure. And this is uh, and this well, and so and this is in second ed. Yes. So one forty thousand was still in its very early days, um, and so he's put it on. Eight people showed up, um, and the champion of that event was a man named Mark Morrison, mm-hmm. um, who you'll know, Mark. Yes, um, and he took over at the end of the event. They just went there for <laughs> the eight guys that rolled up to play. Just went there. Mm-hmm. What we. What we call just roll some dice. Yeah. And, and, um, the following year, 1999, Mark Morrison took over as the tournament organiser on that basis that we just want to run an event that is just all the fun we can find and essentially you bring your models, you bring your painted models is the big one, yeah. um, and we just have some fun enjoying the hobby. Yeah, so, sounds great. Um, <clears throat> and then about 20-odd people showed up the next year because that's also the year that Rogue Trader hit. I don't know if they had Rogue Trader over where you are now, yeah. um, but Rogue Trader was essentially a, a Games Workshop-sanctioned tournament pack that was released after third edition of 40K was released. Right. Um, and that's what brought in your battle comp composition sportsmanship painting kind of structure yeah okay um he just took that and ran with it being the creative guy that he was or is mm. um so that was in 99 um yeah. my my first arc and how had i get involved with it um i got involved because at the time i was <clears throat> um Working for Games Workshop, yeah. Um, working in their Melbourne City store, um, with a pretty sure I was at the City store with a gentleman named Andrew Long, who, yeah, is one of the most amazing hobbyists that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just talked to me about this. He talked talk to everybody about this event, yes, and how you have to go. Right, right, right. So, two thousand and one was. The year I, I basically fronted up was the first year I went. So that was the first year I went there and got involved. Um, it's also, so to be honest, I've been there every year since. Um, so I'm basically done 19 in a row, I think. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, so it's a bit of a long time. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, so, and it's. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I've got a lot of a lot of stories about <laughs> um, over the journey, um, and why it's like why it's so special to me. I guess also because there's yeah. a lot of things that have happened to me personally around the the event as well. But anyway, um, yeah. so and when you, I guess when you work with Andrew and he's he was that like he was promoting the event for them through GW. Yes. Um, and. We would, yeah. So we got to know them, 
So we would help them with the organization in terms of moving things because at the time GW had some resources that they would use. Mm. Um, and then <laughs> so the journey you start to, you know, I start to become good friends with Mark Morrison. Um, and then what year was it? It would have been 2011. Right. Um, get a get a call from Mark and he says, Oh man, helped him run the event. <clears throat> we wanna we wanna catch up with you for breakfast. Right. Because we all worked in the city. Because at that yeah. point in time I was running the Sid uh, the Melbourne City Games Workshop. Yeah. Um, breakfast and, uh, is the most important meal of the day. Yeah. It's not when you're young, it's not you just <laughs> <laughs> Young working retail, it's just yeah. an energy drink and um, off you go. Pretty much unlock the shop and walk in and we're going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I went to this little, we went to this little cafe and we get there and I was like, you know, I spoke for one way here. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I just thought you wanted to catch up, you know. And he goes, he goes, how would you feel about running art next year? Like as in, this was 2011, they were going to run <clears> – <throat> Uh, 2012. Right. No, no, that was 2010. They were going to run 2011, and then yes. I would run announce the takeover, the handover. Yeah. Um, and pretty much it's time you can imagine this event that was 84 people in 2001 or whatever it was. Mm. How regularly getting. Well, 2010, they got 200 players. And then 2011, yeah. it was like 160-something. So mm. this is a big event. And I'd been running events for Games Workshop um, and been a part of their event running internally for for the for probably five, six, seven years. Mm. Um, so you kind of go, you know, you can... <laughs> all right. <laughs> It's pretty pretty much like being given a hand grenade, to be honest. Um, yeah. And you kind of go, "What am I going to do?" Mm. So that's how I got involved and got into it. Um, and then from there, you've basically just you feel like I feel like we're you're now like you're not really a TO as such, but more of a custodian for the way that the event runs and right. plays, if that makes sense, and those yeah, and those values because the event. Before I was a TO, the event yeah. was like the pinnacle for me in terms of my hobby experience every year. You know, mm. mates, my best mates in the world, we would go to this event. Exactly. <laughs> we would enjoy our hobby together. There would probably be um, trips to the pub afterwards, all the normal stuff that comes with, you know, hanging out with your best mates. And yeah. we had a lot of experiences. Um. So then to take that over, you feel like, oh, my God, I have to be the guy that now delivers that for other people. Yeah, it's quite a responsibility. Yeah, and what do you do? <laughs> and then yeah. Mark says "Mark says to me, I don't care. You just do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he what, Words of wisdom. Other... Well, he didn't have any – he. He created something that I think he's immensely proud of. Yeah. He's not too attached to it. Right. Either that or he has immense faith in what we're about, that we would go and continue it on. 
So mm. because one of the basic principles we sort of went with when I took over was we just want to make sure we keep the traditions of the event going. Yes. So we're not going to try and rewrite the wheel or rewrite no. the wheel. <laughs> reinvent the wheel no. or rewrite the book. We're just going to try and keep doing what they're doing yeah. and add our own twist to that as we go. Sounds good. And it literally took me five years to work out that it was – the reason why I say five years is because one of the things we do every year is we yeah. celebrate um, five-year veterans. Mm. So if you've been to five events, we get you up on stage, we give you a certificate, mm. you know, we recognise these people that have put in the effort. But when you're giving away five-year certificates to people that never went to those events that you used to participate in because they've yeah. only been to events that run, you kind of yeah. get that – you sort of start to understand that we're still going on that same – we feel like we're still going on that same path. Yeah. I guess that kind of leads on to the, the next – question i had was what what is involved in this event um you, you mentioned that obviously there were when you took on the mantle of, of tournament organizer you you weren't looking to reinvent the wheel but to yeah. to you know just keep that tradition alive and put your own twist on it so so what's involved yeah. in the the event of arc 40k oh I, okay i guess i you you forget that i get i guess i forget sometimes that well, we're having this conversation. You know, you've been to an arc, haven't you? So you know what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you how many you've been to and where you came if you want. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> but a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people where that are probably listening probably have never. No. Have no idea what it is when it comes to a, a 40k event. Exactly. Um, but essentially, the way the event used to go back in the day that I remember and that mm. I always try and look back to for inspiration is. It, over two days, it's low points cost. Um, so it's really you get people really lavishing attention on their armies. Yeah. So it's a very strong hobby driven um, event from that perspective. Um, like to the point where the three or four months leading up to it, when we used to prepare armies, everybody would be throwing around army lists, be throwing around conversions at each other and paint yep. jobs. And I'm just talking. Um, you know, you and your three mates, I'm talking, you know, 10, 20 guys within the community, customers in shops when we ran them. Yeah. It was a hype. Do you know what I mean? And that's I guess that's hobby getting... Perspective. And then we... I was going to say, I guess that's you're getting right, bigger now with, with, with social media. You're able to kind of share that on a much larger platform. Absolutely. With We, we, we try and get our hashtags out there and there are Road to Arc 40K hashtags out, out and about on mm. Instagram. Yeah, um, and we've got a, a mountain of media from all, across all of the years of things people have bought to the um, or armies they've bought. Um, it even got to the point where some people dress up to come along. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, because engage because we score obviously as well as painting. We also score theme. Yeah, why do you have theme? And it's just it's one of those things where it just adds a bit of character to what we're doing. You know, yeah, you've named your, you've named your your or your or you know or your tyranny hive tyrant or whatever you you bring in. Yes, um, and you might even have a little story because that is a whole. When you talk about, <clears throat> am I a gamer or am I a painter? Yeah, we have a lot of guys that show up that are not really gamers and not really painters, but they just love the law. 
Yeah, definitely. That's one aspect of the hobby that appeals to so many people. Yeah, and they come to the event just for that. Mm. They build it. They don't paint. They they paint it because they because the rules say they need to bring a painted army because we all know playing painted armies is much better. Yes, of and course. The dice gods favor you when your models are painted, and as opposed to when they're not. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, they don't win games. They just want to play with this army that's themed this certain way because that's you know, what's in their mind. Um, mm. So that's all the hobby side of the event, I guess, and that's one of the things that make that we've tried to continue on is to keep it small points within where 40K, that what's relevant with 40K at the time, I guess. Yeah. Um, and join where the really hyper-competitive guys are at at 2,000-odd, well, at the moment it's 2,000 points, I think, somewhere there. Um, yeah. We're currently sitting at 1,600 points this year. Okay. Because we find that when you go smaller, it also makes people make sacrifices and think about what they're doing rather than just, <laughs> I can take all the toys. Yeah. Um, so that's the, the hobby prep side, I guess, and the hobby side of it. But then the actual event itself, um, Mark used to scream at us um, <laughs> in terms of making us chant weird things, and which is something I never really got in as a TO because... I think I tried it in the first year and went, that's really not me because I don't really know what no. the hell we should be doing. Um, but it worked for him and it, everyone loved it because they all got involved. But it's about getting the, the players involved in what's going on and not just going, right now we're playing a pitched battle and you've got yeah. until 11 o'clock, here's your paper, go. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. he'd stand up there and he'd, he'd put on, um, there'd be music <coughs> and he'd... he'd um, tell you the home truth about why I'm a fantasy battle, mm. um, all that stuff, and then hit without some crazy mission. Yeah. All right. So the missions were never stock standard, and they still aren't to this day. I mean, we 40K has gone to become a very uh, – there's a very specific format for missions at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's quite still formulaic, finding it, isn't it? Yeah, it is on that way but every year that people think that and we just go well we're throwing a bit of a curveball in there yeah um, exactly right and that's yeah. and, and why because it's fun exactly we're there to enjoy our hobby mm. if we're playing in our in our garage you're going to play you're not going to play the same mission over and over and over again you're going to make things up as you go you're going to i mean that's how my gaming group that I, the guys i hang out with we do a lot of things on the fly yeah um and some of the most memorable missions I can have ever played, and the hardest missions I've ever played, to be honest with you, challenged me as a gamer, are not the mm. bulk standard ones. So no. all these wacky ones. One year we had um, moving objectives, which were bouncing sheep. Um, <laughs> okay. the more, yeah, um, there's more, been more serious ones though, like Thunderhawk Down. Um, Thunderhawk right. Down is probably one of the. It's almost like the signature mission, which yeah. is all about. You basically deploy, and then at some point during the game, a Thunderhawk crashes in the middle of the table. You don't know where in the middle of the table it's going to crash. That's randomized, and then you just have to try and hold the hold it at the end of the game. Right. That was a lot easier back in 5th Ed. So the recent incantations of it have been a bit more, you know, a bit more elaborate, but right. you get the on what start a game where you're just fighting straight, straight up like fight and then all of a sudden you've got to capture an objective. So yeah. yeah. And we we try and keep it a bit lighthearted in that respect. So I guess um, that, 
Sorry? I was, was going to say, the, the next question I have for you, and you've kind of touched upon this already, was what yep. sets Arc 40K apart from other well, Warhammer 40,000 tournaments? Um, yeah. You mentioned these sort of screwball missions and, um, you know, putting an emphasis on theme, but is there anything else that, that really sets Arc and, and the community of people that come along to Arc apart from uh, other it, tournaments? Uh, in all honesty, in Australia, um, yeah. it's probably that that f um, fun sort of mindset. Uh, one of the things that we also definitely rate really high mm. Mm. Um, there's, a few, there's a few things that a lot of the events or tournaments around, um, they kind of get more and more battle. Yeah. Um, whereas <laughs> we have a blanket rule and the whole time since since taking over and it's been this way since I've ever been there to ARC mm -hmm. is that um, battle and sports are worth the same. So the cornerstone of the player pack is your battle points are worth, say, 120 battle points in right. six game, and then your sportsmanship is worth 120 points overall towards mm -hmm. the event. Um, come from sportsmanship at the end of each game. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, what that does when you look at the overall results, it brings the little guy out. Quite often, that's what, where you see the result events. And well, if you see the results at the end of round five, um, mm. and then you compare the end of round six, you can see what's going on. Do you know I mean you can see that the the people that are actually having fun and and uh, playing the game the way you would as a as a hobby, and although we you know we're having fun, mm. they're the guys that are that are doing well. Yeah. So the guy that rocks up to just ob obliterate all his opponents generally doesn't do that well at our event. So, and I the numbers because people don't feel like they're going to shut, they're going to put all this time and effort into an army and just show up and just get smashed. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> it's not, not a fun day for anyone. It's not what the hobby's about. Like, if, if my no. mate, I was at this place every week and all he did was. You know, line up when we line up our models and just smash me every day. Do you think I'm not going to go around there? No. <laughs> I'm going to tell them. I'm going to change what we do so we can so we can have fun because that's what we're trying to do. So, yeah, I think that's one of the big keys that sets us apart. And mm. when it comes to the volume of people we have, because there aren't many tournaments in Australia that, that actually compete anywhere near us for size. No, I was looking at sort of. And it's what two thousand five hundred and fifty players for this year's Arcanacon. Is that correct? No, 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 no. That's not this year. That's oh. overall. Oh, right. That's how oh. many individual. Yeah, that's how many individual attendees. Individual, that's how many attendees we've had over the twenty-four years. Oh, so wow. we're averaging. Yeah, we're averaging one hundred and twelve a year. Yeah. Uh, and on that same graphic, you've got four hundred and eighty-four that are um, people that have been to five or more. Yeah. So twenty percent of that veteran, yeah, yeah, that's part of, and that's part of what drives the ethos. You know, mm. people that have been to the event and yeah. they and they keep coming back, and five yeah. years later, they they become a veteran because we let um, veterans register before the general public, um, yep. and then they keep bringing that same mindset back. Mm. <clears throat> so, so we're getting this flow of all the people that are attending are people that are just coming along to have fun yeah. and they come along regularly to have fun. 
I was going to say, is that what, what keeps them coming back year after year, well, these loyal veterans? What Absolutely. Um, you're obviously enjoying what's happening. Yeah. So, and when you, go, when, you, when, when you go somewhere five years, ten years in, in succession or in, over a period of time, over a longer mm. time, you, you start to know some of those other people. Yeah. So not only do the people that come to the event coming to because they have fun playing with um, – Play, or war gaming, they also come and they're actually seeing people that they've seen from previous years and they're, and they're building, you know, the hobby relationships Yeah, that they then take away from the event, to be honest. Mm. Um, I've got a group, a whole group of friends that I know because I do this. Mm. I know of guys that come to the event that have built friendships yeah, you know, because they've played each other, and they, and you can see it over the weekend. Like as the TO, you can see when you've got matchups, and you see the guys playing. You go, they, they might have played two years ago. Yeah, you know, and they're playing again now, and they know each other. So it's almost like they're playing a friend in their own garage. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the 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 byproducts of that twenty of of people um, of celebrating those people when they come along that of when they're, when they're veterans, when they're coming along for those five years, 10 years, um, we've got a 15, we've got a couple of 15 year veterans and we've wow. got one, one 20 year veteran at the moment. Oh, that's impressive. Um, who's that's Mark Morrison. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, um, and this year me and a gentleman named Tim Luckman are joining that group so yeah oh, so there's congratulations they they they're being passed on to the newer gamers that yeah so, yeah i think what's also yeah. speaks volumes um for for arc in my short um uh, association with the event is that um and I, I find this at a lot of tournaments i go to is that a lot of the people who come along that might be the only time of year that they get to actually have, you know, a weekend of hobby experience, um, you know, playing games and whatnot. So for them to make the decision and say, well, you know, I really enjoyed this. I'm going to keep going along and use my, my cash in my frequent family points and, and use that as my one weekend to go and indulge in my hobby. Um, obviously that really does, you know, speak highly of the, of the event. Oh, absolutely. But I think it, yeah. it speaks more to, the way people play when they're at the event. Definitely. So, yeah. Because people like I've got a married know yeah. that cashing in those cashing in those frequent family points as you call them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like you really think about it and yeah, you don't definitely. use them to, to go for a weekend to to a gaming club or to a gaming yeah. tournament and just get smashed. As no. in like just put like basically set my models up to take them off the table, set my models up yeah. to take them off the table. It's just no. not, it's not what, what I enjoy, especially if you're a part-time gamer or a part-time hobbyist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're live breathing, eating, gaming and rule books and you sit there at night and you read your rule books and you're, and you're always looking for new combos, then, mm. then I get the competitive, right? Yeah, but if you definitely. want to go out there and enjoy your hobby in a, in a, enjoy your hobby you, yeah you don't, you don't want to go to that sort of scene where the guy's just gonna you know 
you're going to argue over an inch here and an inch there and then just get wiped out. Yeah. So, so yeah. No, it's good to hear that that's, uh, that's the overarching culture of ARC uh, 40K. Mm. Um, yeah. No, it's really great to hear that that's, that's the spirit and that's what's being encouraged. Uh, I guess, you know, going into the 24th year of um, the tournament uh, being run, um, I, I'm curious to know what, how has it evolved? Obviously, it's grown in size in attendance, but um, how has the event evolved over those years and what challenges have you and Mark and the other organisers faced um, in, in bringing it to to the gamers every year? I know initially... There's a lot of uh, logistical challenges, mm. um, whereby you've got to lug, you know, you play a tournament or 180 player tournament, you've got to lug 90 gaming tables around, and then yeah. you've got to find 90 tables worth of terrain, um, which I don't have just sitting around in my garage, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, um, of course not. <laughs> uh, we're working on it, but I don't. Um, no. You've also the other thing you've also got to find, which I don't think a lot of people, especially in Australia, I don't, I don't know how it rolls over over where you are, but yeah. they don't, they don't. I guess one of the biggest challenges we have is finding venues, mm. um, because to house night or round off to hundred gaming tables by the time you put in in place <clears throat> your peripheral stuff, of course, um, yeah, yeah, that's not that's not a small space, mm. and trying to find one that's actually reasonably priced is a big challenge. Um, so there, that's probably the, the yearly in and out ones, <clears throat> um, in and out challenges. But because um, we, we used to use some gaming clubs a fair bit. We used to yeah. um, get involved with some gaming clubs. They would let us use their terrain for the weekend and mm. so on and so forth. Um, so, but more recently, we've started to try and build our own, um, I suppose, supply or our own, uh, yeah, we'll call it supply of tables ourselves, yeah. So that we can, so we can run the event without needing other influences. Um, mm. But that, but when you're juggling everything that's involved, that can take time. Um, so they're they're more your year by year sort of problems, I guess, mm. um, or challenges. Um, and then, um, and every year, one of the biggest ones every year that makes your heart stop is, are people actually going to show up? Mm. Like we do all this planning and stuff and we haven't even sold a ticket and then you sort of get a couple of days out from selling tickets and you go, well, what if no one buys a ticket? <laughs> then we're in some trouble. I think it's anyway. like that field of dreams sort of, if you build it, they will come. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. to be honest with you, like this year I was at, we were literally stressing hard about it because of mm. COVID. And of literally more tickets in the first 10 minutes this year than we mm-hmm. have any other year. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. As far as <clears throat> challenges over the journey go, yeah. Um, I guess one of the big things I kind of brought to the event that Mark never really did was I brought in the um, audio visuals. Um, we have a we have and I, I've done it. We've got some guys that know how to build videos, so they to communicate better with the, the people. Yeah, uh, but also adds that little bit of a, a bit more of a wow factor, and it makes you feel like you're in an event rather than just in a local, you know, a local gaming store or something. Yeah. Um, 
The biggest one I can put my finger on right now is scoring. Okay. Um, when I first started, we would have we, – we, we, I run an event where we had 160-odd mm. and each player had to fill in a battle scorecard and a, and a sportsmanship scorecard at the end of each round and then hand them in. Mm-hmm. And then we would have a person sitting there with two massive piles of paper reading out results to someone working an Excel spreadsheet. Wow. That process takes um, – <laughs> I'm laughing now because I, it's hard to explain how just how – when the first result comes in, it literally yeah. takes you from that time until the next game is supposed to start yeah. in order to enter everything in. Anyway, I think those two um, people are very dedicated to giving up their weekend to sit and, and do that for the tournament well, as well. <laughs> yeah, there was there – was, there might have been – Beer involved in that. All oh, right. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So we you can get by. Anyway, yeah, the slab um, economy, pretty much. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so it was about six years ago. Um, we we rolled out what we call ArcScore, okay. which is a online portal for for scoring the event. Yep. All right, and we took the the data entry time from and all that paper. Mm. To 14 minutes. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, so that first year, we had we went from like the first year we did it, mm. we didn't know what because we literally we had a lot of hiccups. Obviously, getting people used to the system. Mm. Um, and now people are they're all over it because the system hasn't really changed a lot on the front end, and a lot of the regulars how it works. Um, the first time we did it, though, the first round was all troubleshooting and we had like five, six guys out the front all just trying to troubleshoot people <clears throat> putting results in. Yeah. Um, so, but after round one, once they got the hang of it, that's where we that's where we managed to get the 14-minute mark from. Um, but we just we didn't know what to do with ourselves after that because we had all of a sudden had all this time. <laughs> Normally yeah. when you're in an event, yeah, you've got this little bit of downtime after players start playing. Yeah, when you're organising, <clears throat> and then about halfway through the round, you've got to start thinking about the wrap up and seeing where all your judges are at. And then, yeah. by the time you get to the end of the round, you're like, quick, 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 got to get results in, got to get it all in, got to get in because we've got to enter it by hand, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. Now we're sitting there going, well, you can just watch it on the screen, like likes on a Facebook almost, where yeah. it basically goes, we've got, we've got 10, 11, 12 scorecards are in, 13 are in, 14 are in, 15 are in, and we're not, we don't have to do anything. So, mm. yeah, that was probably the biggest, I guess, solution to any of the challenges that we've had. So, yeah. but it, it helps us focus on those other things that we talked about, about having fun and and creating an atmosphere rather than <laughs> rather than worrying about where the pieces of paper are and whether we're going to get done or not. Yeah, it's quite so, a game changer. Well, it is. When you've got 160 people looking at you and you've got a little... <laughs> You know, and you got a little stack of paper that you need to get through. You sort of sitting there going, yeah. "Hurry up, hurry up!" Because someone's gonna, someone's gonna be like, "Can we start now?" <laughs> when all the results are in, we can do that. Yes. So I guess an- another big change um, that's happened for Arc Forty K was going in as an independent event from yes. the Arcanicon. Um, yes. Uh, 
exhibition, yep. convention, whatever yep. they want to label it as. I'm curious to know what, what prompted that decision and what, um, what were the steps involved to kind of forge your I own think, path? Uh, when I first started running the event, yeah. um, I basically reported to a committee, I guess. Okay, um, yeah. Um, and then after that, the second year, I basically put my hand up. Mm-hmm. So I was on the committee and of the, of organising this whole role playing convention. Yeah. Okay. And the thing that had happened, I guess, is for whatever reason, the role playing side of the convention was getting less attendance, mm. and the forty k side was constantly improving. Um, yeah. And that just they're thinking about not running the the event at the time also. Oh, right. Also. So, and that's where I was like, well, I'm going to take 40K side and I'm going to run it independent. Yeah. Um, And you guys work out what you're doing. uh, Yeah. And they they basically signed off on it because I think they realized that we had, that they don't do what we do and we don't do what they do. And we we had something that was viable and they were really, they, and they were questioning the viability of what they were doing. Yeah. Um, happily, though. Yeah. Um, in recent years, Arcanicon role playing convention has reared its head again and it's back. Because um, it did have a couple of year hiatus. Yeah. Uh, while they've obviously sorted out what was going on and, you know, breathed some new life into it. So yeah. um, that, that's, but yeah, yes, now really we're positive. We're, yeah. yeah. It is. Uh, because you know, like as much as we separated, and there's obviously some, they're obviously petering out. You don't like yeah. to see that. No, you know, it's, it's, like, they're just as much part of the hobby community as as you guys are. Yeah, well, I, I don't roll. No, so yeah, you don't want to see an event disappear because they've, um, yeah, because they're not getting the what they want out of it. No, so yeah. but obviously that uh, gave but, you the freedom to then forge on ahead with uh, absolutely yeah and that's where we've had to then go and find venues and 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 um yeah that sort of stuff so mm. and <laughs> and insurance yes of course yeah <laughs> anyway. yeah no it's uh it... sorry what was that no that's right i just i was just, just chuckling to myself about insurance <laughs> so it's one of those things that people don't think about that you need for an event but it's kind of necessary. That's that's when that's when things get really scary for an independent event. Anyway. Oh, of course. Um, but I mean, it's all it's all in the yeah. name of fun, isn't it? And having a great Absolutely. time. And Absolutely. I guess uh, you know, going into the twenty fourth year, um, and you said you've got you know uh, twenty year and fifteen year veterans. Obviously, uh, there's a bit of. Um, emphasis to really kind of celebrate that um i'm guessing next year you're going to go completely to town with the 25th anniversary but is there anything um with the tournament only weeks away is there any any teasers you can give us anything that's uh gonna pop up to do you want do you want an exclusive go for it yeah (laughs) here we go (laughs) um no no. um we've got we've obviously got some new sponsors on board, yep. uh, which haven't actually been launched onto our website yet. Okay. Um, so we've all, I'll, I'll name drop a few just quickly. Uh, yep. We've got miniature scenery. Um, you've heard of Victoria Miniatures? Yep. Um, yeah, Victoria's um, 
come along and um, and another couple of local game stores. But um, just this afternoon, I was in um, with got on board a new major sponsor, which is a local game store here called House of War. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of them. I have um, and Yep, and they're they're basically a a local hobby store where they're kind of doing some renovations at the moment. Um, mm. But they're going to they they're trying to um, build a, a community space, I guess, where you can go mm. and enjoy your hobby. Okay, um, and that's aligns with what we do. So yeah, um, they're happy to get on board and support us. And what they've done is one of our prestigious prizes at the event is what we call player's choice, okay? Mm. Um, And what that is, for those that don't know, is at the start of the event, pretty much that's the time slot we do it in at the moment, is Mm. we ask everybody to display their army and then you every player goes around and gives us their best three, two, and one. Yeah. What you think are the best armies at the event of all 150 or 60 of them, okay? Cool. Um, And it's a hotly contested by some guys, because as I said before, not everybody comes to game. Um, yeah. A lot of players come to just compete in that, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I can imagine. It's hotly contested. Um, yes. Um, and that's where a lot of our photos come from online for things. Anyway, um, what they've decided they want to do is is give us first place for that. And they're okay. going to give us a, a Photon Mono X, which is a $1,150 retail. I don't know what that yeah. is in pounds, sorry. Um, 3D printer. Wow. It's the, it's the top of the line 3D printer. So, because um, that's one of the things they're starting to do about trying to, the hobby maker space going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So they've really decided they're going to come out and put us in the community, which we're really happy about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they want to get on board with the, the painters. So they've given us a, a little printer set, a 3D printing setup. To give away, yeah, oh, that'd be amazing. Yes, so right. we haven't had a prize that big before, just quietly. Well, you've heard it here first. That's <laughs> yeah. Get painting and get on a plane, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the way that uh, travel yeah, restrictions yeah. are, uh, probably yeah. not not doable. But it's very no. tempting. No, I know. Yeah, um, I've already had two POs decide they don't want to come and help. They want to. They want to try and paint an army for it, so yeah. Well, fair play to them. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I look forward yeah. to seeing uh, seeing who uh, takes home that prize and their uh, their Absolutely. army. Yeah. So we're going to announce we're going to announce that on in the next couple of days. But we'll tell them, we, if they listen to this, they know they've they've got it here first. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, send it for me to get this edited and up as soon as I can. I <laughs> guess. <laughs> uh, the final touch point is um, where can the listeners go, those who aren't familiar with uh, Art40K, where can they go to get a yep. bit more information about the event and, um, and follow what's uh, happening? Yeah. Um, basically, we've got a website, which is um, pretty simple. It's just arc40k.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's no – that's it, just arc40k.com. Yeah. Um, and on there, one of the is where you can download our – uh, what we call our player pack, which will give you all the rules. Um, yep. And also, or you can buy a ticket. Yep. Um, there's a little slider goes across and then it's all our socials. So we're on Facebook, um, yep. which is just ARC40K on Facebook. And it's ARC with a C, 
ARC40K. Um, so we're on Facebook, which is just ARC40K, on Twitter at ARC underscore 40K, uh, yeah. and, on, and on Instagram, which is ARC40K. We also have a YouTube channel. Um, there's not much on it at the moment, uh, but over the coming months, particularly leading up to March, which will be our 25th year, we've got a lot of content to publish on YouTube and across all of them, really. Yeah. Um, so Instagram, oh, Facebook's pretty big for communicating with players on on announcements and things. Instagram's mm. where we sort of go for all our hobby-related stuff. So if guys are into hobby and want to yeah. see some cool things happening or see photos from last year's event, jump on the Instagram. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's pretty much it, um, question-wise. But I, I just want to take this opportunity to uh, wish you and the the organisers, as well as all the players who are attending this year's ARC, uh, the best of luck. I hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Uh, I look forward to jumping on and seeing all the photos and um, all the um, amazing armies that I'm sure will rock up. And, yep. um, and yeah, it sounds amazing. No, um, we're hoping it's going to be bigger than ever. So, and thank you very much for, for asking me to come on. Um, I've never really done much, many podcast interviews before, but yeah, it's good to, to get on and talk about it because we you don't really get much of an opportunity when you're organizing. So, because yeah. it's one of the things that when you're just quickly, when you're yeah. organizing, you know a lot of people out there that are playing, but you don't really get a chance to touch base with them and talk to them much. So, it's been really good to sort of talk to you about it and then have them be able to hear it later. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for that and uh, all the best no. with the tournament. You, you too, mate. Good luck with the podcast. Thanks. And that was Dan from ARC40K. If you'd like to find out more about the tournament, there are links in the episode description. So please do check those out. Well, that's all I have for you on this episode of Brushing Up, but please do make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast so that you stay notified when new episodes are released. But until next time, keep on hobbying. You've been listening to Brushing Up, a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. If you have enjoyed the show, why not follow us on Facebook? Facebook.com forward slash Quartermaster Miniature Building Painting. And on Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash Quartermaster Studios. To find out more about Quartermaster Studios commission painting services, please visit QuartermasterStudios.com. Brushing Up is a Quartermaster Studios production with music supplied by bensound.com.